Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. The psalmist, one of the psalmists said he'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's better to be in the presence of the Lord than to be anywhere else. And uh, it's good to be in the presence of God's people, too. And don't underestimate the uh, strength that you draw just by walking in those doors and seeing other people of faith um, who are living in the same world that you're living in, uh, facing some of the same challenges you're facing, but yet they're here lifting voices and hands and hearts to the Lord. That in itself just brings a tremendous amount of strength. And so we are delighted uh, that we can be here in the presence of the Lord tonight. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. And uh, <clears throat> wow, wasn't Sunday an amazing day around here? We had, uh, of course, our best attendance since COVID, for which we are very grateful. And I'll say more about that in a moment. But I want to say a special thanks to all of our uh, volunteers, so many of you that make a day like uh, Sunday work. And we hadn't had a day like Sunday in a couple of years, so... Uh, you know, there's a little, at least on my part, a little anxiety rolling into Sunday morning wondering, okay, how's this going to go? And I can tell you it went absolutely fabulous because of so many of you uh, who volunteered, uh, volunteering outside, helping getting people parked. And uh, we had 334 cars, uh, so we had to park some on the grass. Um, and of course, so many inside volunteering uh, to greet our worshipers, but also our teachers our children's ministry staff, all of our class uh, uh, teachers and staff in those classes, and our, of course all of our, our media folks back there doing what they do. And uh, this, this music ministry folks, I'm just telling you, um, Sunday they absolutely crushed it, and uh, it was fantastic. If you missed it, there's no recap. I mean, you can go online and kind of watch it. Uh, but it was absolutely fabulous. But to see the people of God worshiping the Lord, to see guests and visitors and um, longtime new lifers coming home, uh, that was worth everything. We baptized two in Jesus' name, and that makes it all worth it. And so we're very grateful for that. Amen. We've been working on this construction thing for a long time, as you know. Today, I actually put my signature on a piece of paper, and that means... Beginning today, they have 210 days to get done. And so sometime in November, we should be done with all of this. Um, the parking might get done a little quicker. Uh, but as you can see, if you uh, drove in tonight, you can see they're starting to put the erosion control and environmental protections around. And the guys that we paid to do that, the guys that we paid to protect our environment, the guys we paid to protect our trees, they damaged one of our trees today. So... Uh, I told the general contractor, I said, we're not getting off to a very good start. Uh, so that was just kind of my way of letting him know I'm watching him. And uh, if they knock the bark of, off a tree, I'm going to see it. And so anyway, we're excited to get started. Things are moving along. And uh, of course, there will be challenges and hurdles and obstacles along the way. Uh, it's my goal to keep you out of all that. And you can just come here and worship. And in 210 days, we can open the doors. So be praying. Be praying about all of that. As you know, we're finishing our gym space, which includes a commercial kitchen, so we can actually get together and have fellowship again over food without toting it in. We're completing our multi-purpose. We've been calling it a chapel, but it's multi-purpose space. We can have 
kids space in there, we can have adult classes in there, we can have seminars type instruction in there, we can have weddings in there, we can have funerals in there, we can have youth service in there. Um, we could actually, now don't quote me on this, we could actually roll some basketball goals in there. We can pretty much do whatever we want to do in there. Uh, we're designing the space that way. And so our gym, our kitchen, our chapel, and then we're adding over 200 parking spaces out front. A day like this past Sunday, we needed them. And so uh, we will, with the grace of God and your faithfulness, we'll be able to pay cash for all of that. We won't have any loans, additional loans for that. In that regard, of course, part of the calculations for that is our building the vision. Many of you have been giving faithfully, and I want to say thank you for that. Of course, during COVID, I, uh, with the uncertainty and all, we just brought everything to a halt. And uh, I told you, you know, not knowing the economic fallout of everything, that you know, if some of you needed to uh, just put your pledges on pause, that would be fine. And many of you did, and that's fine. But if you can renew those now, it would be fantastic. And maybe you weren't here during those times, and you would like to get on board. Maybe you've not invested in this campus financially in that way. Uh, I would encourage you to get on board. Be a part of that. Make an investment into the kingdom of God, an investment into your church. You should have received an email recently with information about that. Um, if you could respond to that email, uh, we include a link also in the weekly emails. If you could respond to that, it would help us in our planning and setting our budgets going forward. If you have any questions about that, or maybe you didn't get the email, you can talk to me personally, or you can talk to Sister Rachel Safuentes. She handles our accounting. Uh, you can call the church office to talk to her. You can email accounting at newlifeaustin.com. Uh, whatever we can do to serve you. But there are these moments in time where we stretch, where we make sacrifices, and uh, this is one of those moments. And I think when we all pull together, in fact, I know, we will be able to do uh, what the Lord is asking of us, and uh, we're preparing for future generations. What a joy. What a joy that is. Amen. Good to see you tonight. Of course, after Easter, a lot of people just pass out and faint. Um, and uh, generally, when you have a large uh, Sunday like that where you really push, uh, people are so kind, really, they arrange their schedule to be here, but then their schedules after that, they're gone. So a lot of times you see a disproportionate amount of absentees before or after a large event, and that's to be expected. Uh, but I'm so thankful to see you tonight here in the house of the Lord. Our youth are downstairs. They have youth service tonight. We always miss. They leave such a big hole when they're not here. Uh, but I'm glad that you're here. And uh, it just feels refreshing to be in the house of the Lord and uh, I, I, uh, I could just enjoy some more worship for a while tonight and uh, just kind of make it a prayer meeting. But um, uh, we'll, we'll do that on another Wednesday soon. I thought I saw Joe and Colleen Zerpoli. Good to see you here tonight. And uh, I don't know, you may have told me you're going to be here. If you did, I forgot all about it. But it's good to see you anyway. Amen. Glad to have them. They're going to be with us in a few weeks preaching. So uh, during our awakening... So that's just right around the corner, and uh, so we're glad to have them here. I want to I take this opportunity to talk about... I've been talking about growing in Christ as individuals. I want to continue that theme, but I want to talk, um, talk a little bit about that more collectively as a church tonight, especially following up a service like Easter. You, know, you have these large events where uh, it feels good because all the people that call this church home, they come. And so it's very encouraging because 
Uh, on any given Sunday, of course, there's a certain you know, percentage of people out or whatever. And then there's a certain fringe group that we have that they identify with this as their church, but we just don't see them very often. But if they have a need, they'll call our church. Um, if they uh, you know, need pastoral care, they'll call our church. If, if Easter rolls around and they go to church, this is where they're going to church. And so on an event like um, Resurrection Sunday, seeing those uh, people come in, it reminds us of several things. And I want to talk a little bit about that tonight. I do want to say quickly, put in an underscore on our 30th anniversary services. It does not seem like 30 years, uh, but it's been 30 years. We have so much to be grateful for as a church. Um, of course, uh, as I often say, it's not about this building. It's not about this building at all. But this building is just symbolic of what the Lord has done. Because in this building, there are people like you. There are people that come, they worship here. But just look what the Lord has done in 30 years. The way the Lord has blessed the thousands of people that have been filled with the Spirit, been baptized uh, several million dollars that we have given into the cause of missions outside the four walls of this building. And the lives that have been changed, the community that's been formed, the relationships that have been established, uh, the value that you find in this community by coming. You're here, here week after week after week. Why? Because there's value and there's meaning here. And so... Uh, April the 30th and May the 1st, we'll be celebrating what the Lord has done. April 30th, we have our, uh, our church picnic at Reunion Ranch. If you can be here, it's a lot of fun. It's a wonderful place. If cost is an issue and prohibitive, let me know. We want everyone to be there. But then May the 1st, that Sunday, in our Sunday morning service, our, our district superintendent, Brother Scoggins, is going to be preaching. And I assure you, after Brother Scoggins preaches, you will feel like you can conquer hell with your little finger. And so you are going to be inspired, you're going to be encouraged as we celebrate together. Sunday night, uh, Brother Bernard and I both will be speaking, not full sermons, but we both will be speaking. Uh, we're going to share the sermon slot. Uh, we'll also share some other information. I want to share some testimonies of people that have come to our church in the last five years. We did a great big celebration for our 25th anniversary, so we kind of want to catch up these last five years. And so I want to encourage you to be here for that. Amen. Let's talk about growing in Christ as a church. <clears throat> um, when we have big events like uh, yesterday, of course, it reminds us of the reach of our church, or like Sunday, reminds us of the reach of our church. And what happens, I just want to encourage you, what happens on a day like that is uh, the work of our church throughout the years is on display. And so the people that we have been reaching for, many of them come. And, and, and I often say this, but I want to underscore this. The continuity of worship and the continuity of the message and the continuity of faith that we feel in this church is because on any given service, people come in here that don't feel that. I mean, it's been your, your turn a few times, right? I've walked in here before not feeling you know, so you know, zealous for the things of, of the kingdom of God. But what happens is... There's never a service where all of us walk in feeling that way. And so what we see on Sunday, we see the cumulative effect of all of our efforts and labor over a long period of time. And it reminds us that, that in, in keeping on going and in being faithful and in serving God faithfully, we are picking up gains that we may not even necessarily realize we're picking up. That works in your individual life as well. 
On any given day, you may not feel like, you know, you're victorious. On any given day, you may not feel like, well, I'm just, you know, being used of God mightily, casting out devils, laying hands on the sick, God's doing great things through. You may not feel that way on a lot of days. But what happens, and this is what I've been teaching about growing in Christ as individuals, if you keep on doing the things you know to do day in and day out, over the long period of time, you establish health. And a healthy Christian is going to bear fruit. And a healthy church is going to bear fruit. And we've been through a lot. We've been through a lot in the last couple of years. This is no, no, you know, secret. I don't want to talk about all that again, but the reality is churches across the board have been through a lot the last couple of years. And in those seasons of struggle, whether it's a pandemic or other seasons, churches have other seasons they go through that are challenging. It's been my task as a pastor. You can't force growth to happen, but what you can do is try to instill health in the body. And if you instill health in the body, a healthy body can overcome pneumonia. A healthy body can overcome various sicknesses and diseases. If you've got a strong immune system, you can go through some things and you're going to be okay. And the goal, one of my challenges as a pastor and, and, and you joining in in the things that you bring to the table, we keep the church healthy and we might go through a pandemic and we might shake off some things, but if we're healthy at the core, if, if the body is still healthy at the core, the heart and the lungs, and we're just full of health, we will come through it. And we will bear fruit on the other side. Why? Because we're healthy. And so... Finding, finding ways to, to, to breathe health, to breathe life, to foster health, to nurture health in the congregation. That is our task. And so what are some of those things? How do we grow? What can we do? Well, there's no single answer to that question. And uh, again, in, in, with, with, with Resurrection Sunday in our rearview mirror, highly attended services like that don't necessarily equate to church growth. Because you can, have, you can have the house full every week, but if people aren't repenting of their sins, they're not being baptized in Jesus' name, they're not being filled with the Spirit, they're not being discipled. I mean, if there's not actually kingdom growth happening, the church is not growing. The crowd is growing, but the church is not growing. And so we, we need those kinds of services because we harvest, we pull in fringe, we pull in our constituents, we pull in guests, and then we preach the gospel to them. But it goes beyond... It goes beyond. And the first point I want to underscore is simply this. Church growth is both human and it's divine. God has a part and we have a part. And if our church continues to grow, it will be because God does His part. There's no question about that. And because we do our part. The Great Commissions, you read these in, 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 in the Gospels, in, in the first chapter of Acts. Basically, Jesus is telling them, if you will go and do your part, I'm good for my part. And what he's saying, and this is fascinating, because the reason that Jesus came was to save the world, but, but revival, church growth, evangelism, it is both divine and human. He doesn't just start raining down gospel on people. He works through the agency of the church. He works through the agency of us. 
Now, this is startling sometimes when you back up and actually think about it, because the truth of the matter is, the progress of New Life Austin is we're not waiting on God. You know, we hear a lot of preaching about end-time revival, end-time revival. Okay, when is that going to start? I'll tell you when it started. It started on the day of Pentecost. There's no more prophetic stuff or things that have to happen. I mean, there's not some, there's not some big gate and we're waiting on somebody to find a key to open it up and then everything's just going to fall out of the sky. It started on the day of Pentecost and that's what God's doing in the last days. He's pouring out His Spirit on all flesh. What this means then is, if we're not waiting on Him, it means the ball's in our court. And that church growth, we use that term to talk about our evangelizing our community because when we evangelize the community, our church grows. But there's this human and there's this divine interaction where we are cooperating with what God wants to do. We know that God wants to save the world. We know that. The ultimate question is whether, whether people want their church to grow and whether people take seriously the Great Commission. Uh, I've had, you know, many visitors over the years, you know, people moving in from different churches. And granted, every church has a culture. Uh, every church kind of has a feel to it. And, and, and if this is not your home church, but, or your original home church, but it's your home church now, I just want to assure you there's no place like home. There's always going to be that home church that has that part of your heart, and there's just no place like home, okay? And, and, and you can't replace that. Every church has that feel, and every church has, you know, that sort of sense. But one of the biggest struggles I see as a pastor is people that move particularly from small churches, and they come to a larger church, trying to feel that, that way because it's a very different thing. Systems are different, structures are different, processes are different. I mean, everything is different. Um, and so I usually help them out. We talk about it, and we try to get them connected. But one of the challenges that I've always struggled with is I've had people that are members of our church, not coming necessarily from a smaller church. They've been a part of our church forever and forever and a day, and they tell me they don't like a large church. They want to go to a smaller church. Well, I understand the cultural things and all that. But every Christian, every Christian needs to want their church to grow. And every Christian should want their church to get bigger. And every Christian should want their church to get full. And every Christian should want to have to give up their seat. Oh, y'all are not ready for this. I mean, the saints need to be willing to park in the grass on Easter Sunday, not just kind of ignoring those cones when they drive in, you know. Don't go down there to the garage and park by the elevator. I just felt like I tapped into something right there. Now, that's all kind of comical and stuff, but do people really want their church to grow? Because growth means change, and change means losing some things that maybe you're accustomed to. That means getting uncomfortable. To grow, for a church to grow, does not mean, it does not mean that attendees watch people up here do the hard work to pull sinners out of sin and save them. It's a collective effort by all of us. 
We'll talk about that some in a minute. But if, if, if the church is going to grow, just having big events like Resurrection Sunday is not going to make it grow. If the church is going to grow, that means there have to be conversions. That means there has to be, there has to be new folks giving their lives to God. There has to be transformation. And so the question ultimately starts just with the question, are we interested and do we really want our church to grow? Now, we may have our, an idea in our mind of another large church, or church that's larger than ours. I don't think our church is large. In fact, I don't think we have any large Pentecostal churches at all, quite honestly. I mean, what is a large church? I mean, I don't know any churches, you know, in metro areas that have 10, 20% of their population at church, so we don't have any large churches. But you may have some ideas of, well, you know, there's a large church, they have this, that, and the other, and, all, and, and, and sometimes we can, we can visualize things that we want. But we have to let God cultivate out of this soil what this church is going to be. We have to let God cultivate out of this soil what, for example, what kind of music are we going to have? Well, let's you in on a little secret. There is no music menu that pastors can download where you can say, okay, our church, we're going to have, okay, we're going to have, I think, we'll, I think we'll be a black gospel church. You just check that off box, okay? I don't get that choice. You know what choice we get? People that walk in that door that have talent and they get saved and that live for God, they join what's going on up here and that mix is what we get. You know what kind of ministries we're going to wind up with in the church? It's not something we just downloaded from the internet and say, okay, I think we need this ministry and that ministry. No, 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 no. We have ministries that arise and emerge from the capable gifts that are in the congregation and that meet the needs of the congregation. That's what we get. So in other words, to say that our church is, we want our church to grow, I'm not saying I've got this template for what a church of 5,000 looks like and we're going to do that. No. What I'm saying is we're going to till the soil at new life. We're going to plow and we're going to plant and we're going to water and God's going to give the increase and it's not going to look like anything anywhere else that we've ever imagined. But if God is in it, I can assure you it's going to be fantastic and it's going to be anointed and it's going to be full of power and it's going to set people free. And so... For a church to grow, there's this divine and human cooperation where we work together with God. Another thing, I alluded to this a little bit, but there has to be a commitment. We have to have a steadfast commitment to the gospel and transformation of lives by the power of God's Spirit. A church where a hundred people worship, where the gospel is preached, is better than a gathering of a thousand where the gospel is not preached. And we have to make sure that that gospel message, that Jesus Christ, God in flesh, came and gave himself for our sins. And he comes back to us in his spirit, and we are filled with his spirit. And it's ultimately our church's task and responsibility to remain faithful to the message. We may offer a lot of things. We may have a lot of outreaches. We may do a lot of good things. We may have a lot of programs. But at the end of the day, the core, the center 
is we're witnesses of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. I have a long list of things I want to do around here. There's a long list of ministries I hope that we can accomplish. But if we don't accomplish any of them, I can assure you that in this room every week, you're going to hear the message of Jesus Christ, and people are going to be able to give their hearts to God. They have an opportunity to be filled with the Spirit and baptized in Jesus' name because that is what we do. That's what we do. So size alone does not equate to church growth. So our task is not just to build a crowd, although you can't save folks if you don't get them here, right? So you got to get them here. But the goal is not just to get a crowd and get numbers. The goal is to make disciples of people. Enough said on that. I want to move on to a few more things here. This is extremely important. To have a commitment to the diversity of gifts that God has placed in the church. In other words, if the church is going to grow, if the church is going to, 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 to be what God wants it, that means, that means that all the giftings in the church need to be active. Now, this is a big topic. We could spend probably a couple weeks on this. But, of course, when we think about spiritual gifts, we, we obviously think about supernatural spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians. And yes, we need those. But we also need... We also need those service gifts in Romans chapter 12. Obviously, we need the five-fold ministry from Ephesians chapter 4. We need all of these gifts working in the church. And what that means is each one of us needs to be active in our gifting. You know what's beautiful? It's like Sunday, looking around the church, seeing so many people active, so many people working. Now, there's, there's, there's a few things I want to say about that, but... No, you might be sitting here tonight thinking, well, I don't know what my gift is, or I don't have a place of service, or I, I, I'm not plugged in the way I want to be. Well, we need to work on that. But don't underestimate how God can use you right where you are. You can, you can exercise your gifts while you wait on an official opportunity to open up. And so, for example, even in this room tonight, look around. There's someone in this room tonight you could encourage. There's a lot of people that are not in this room that you could encourage. And when the body operates like the body... Now, if somebody's not here tonight and I call... They, they may be playing hooky down in youth service because they didn't want to listen to me. That happens sometimes. But if I call somebody because they're not here, you know, they, they might either expect that I'm supposed to or they may think I'm, you know, just, you know scolding them or whatever, or whatever. But if one of you calls them, they may feel legitimately missed. That, that touch that we have as a body goes a long ways. Don't underestimate the power of your touch in this body. Don't underestimate the power of your prayers in this body. Don't underestimate the power of what you can do simply by coming here, being on time, getting in a seat, lifting your voice and hands during a worship service and worshiping God. At the end of a service, if people are praying, lingering with them in prayer, you may not be that person that lays hands on them. You may not be that person that helps them receive the Spirit, but you can be that person that creates that atmosphere, that creates that faith, that lingers with them, that encouraging voice. Don't underestimate your role and your ability to impact this church. Amen. 
And I know it's, again, it just sounds carnal and irrelevant, but, you know, a small piece of trash on the lot, if someone picks that up, you know what? The next person doesn't see it. It's a small gesture. It's so small, but it's an impact where your fingerprints are on the work of God. You probably got the email, you heard the announcement, men's work day Saturday. We don't have any major tasks. I mean, somebody's got to ride the lift up to the ceiling out in the foyer, but that's, we, we recruited those guys. Most of us are going to just wind up showing up and somebody that knows what they're doing is going to tell us what to do and we're going to do it. And it's going to seem like kind of a small thing, but when 20 or 30 of us contribute to a small thing, something productive happens. Again, our fingerprint on the kingdom of God. Don't underestimate the smallest of, of deeds and actions and the ways in which you can impact the kingdom of God. Those gifts need to be at work. You have, you have relationships, you know people, you've seen people connected to our church. You can make an impact that others can't make in the church. I'm challenging you, make that impact. I'm encouraged by so many of you walking through the halls. You know, I'm usually on a mission, and so sometimes, you know, uh, you know I may walk past somebody's there, talk, and I'll see so many of you stopping, talking, encouraging, strengthening, greeting, welcoming. You're not even on the guest services team, but you're there touching and interacting with welcoming people. It's amazing. It's amazing. These gifts, the point of these supernatural gifts in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, Paul talks about the diversity of gifts. He says, the eye is not the ear, and the ear is not the hand, and the hand is not the nose. I mean, these gifts are diverse. And isn't it true that so many times it's easy for us to envy the gifts of other people? It's like, oh man, wish I could do that. I mean, I wish I could sing like Brother Shane. I tried once or twice, it just didn't work. Now, when I'm, I'd say, when I'm not up here, I can sing, folks. You have no idea. <laughs> You have no idea. But isn't it just easy? Isn't it easy when we watch someone in their gifting and we're like, you know? But when we all just function, just function, and then don't get stranded there because I know some of you are, are thinking right now, well, I don't know what my gift is. I don't know, what, you know, you're, you're sitting there just beating yourself. I don't know. You, you get stuck in the mud right there. The biggest question probably is not what is your gift. You know, you can take gift tests and all this, you know, and some churches actually, they're like employment agencies. You know, you go through all this rigmarole and tests and you get a report out the backside and, oh, you're an ABC and you're a color green. You, okay, we have a job for you uh, right here. Okay, the biggest question is not what is your gift. You know what the biggest question is? The biggest question is what is your opportunity. What, what opportunity is in front of you right now? What individual needs your care? What piece of trash needs to be picked up? What does the church need? In other words, not you can get totally paralyzed in this finding your gift thing, and that's valid. We, we can talk about that, and we, we should kind of unpack that at some point. But you can get totally stranded in that, because once you've identified the gift through the 89 questions in the survey, of you know, and you've figured that out, then the thing is, you get stuck there. Well, this is my gift, so I can only do this. And then you get stuck waiting on this, but brother so-and-so is already doing that, and he does it better than you do it, so the chances of you doing it are very slim. But 
If you understand that you are called of God, God has placed you like Esther in the kingdom for such a time as this, this is your context. The church, your work, your family, your school, wherever you are, that's where you've been placed. Now, what are your opportunities there? Is there a hungry person? I went to a doctor today, and uh, he was asking me, you know, I'm probably a bad pastor. Don't say amen, okay? <laughs> you know, I'm the guy that gets on the airplane, earbuds go in, just like, don't talk to me, I'm busy, because I have learned by experience, evidently, evidently, I'm not a good soul winner. Evidently. I never close the deal. We just wind up talking about nonsense for three hours until the plane lands, you know? Well, I'm at the doctor's office today, you know, and uh, he asked a question. Where do you work? I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, he's like looking at parts of my body. And I, I don't want to talk about it right now. Well, <laughs> we actually had a pretty good conversation. The doctor was a Muslim. Married to a Catholic. And he was trying to talk churchese to me. It didn't take long to figure out he didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> and we got to talking about, he wanted to know what is different about our church. So I got to tell him about why we use the word Pentecostal. There's this day of Pentecost in the Bible. And we believe like that. Our experience matches that, and we can receive the Spirit just like that. It's not just this academic religion or this, you know, you know, lofty sort of idealistic philosophical thing. We actually have an experience with God. I think I'm proud of myself. Well, I don't know what else happened. That, well, a lot of stuff happened today. But that was an opportunity I had today. Amen. That was my opportunity. I don't know what's going to happen with that. That's really up to human God. We plant, we sow, we water. God gives the increase. But that was my opportunity. But this I am sure of. If we're not faithful with the opportunities God does bring us, we're not getting the big one we're looking for. But as we are faithful, if God can trust me with a person like that to share his message with, then he may trust me with something else along the way. And so those of us that are faithful in the small things will be rewarded with better things. That's the way living for God works. And so the question is, don't get stranded in this. What are my gifts? And do I need this? And Forget the certifications and forget the gift labels. Forget all of that. What can you do today? What can you do? Who can you touch? Can you read your Bible today? Could you pray today? Could you share, could you share something good on Facebook today? Please tag me if you do. <laughs> what are our opportunities? And if you think about that whole social media thing, when else in history could you actually reach out and touch the world? You know, it started with blogs. Remember everybody used to have these blogs and then went to micro blogs, you know, with Twitter and all this stuff. And it's like, it's really a bad, the whole thing's a bad idea. It's a horrible idea. But when else could you actually say something and get it kind of just spread around the world? Well, what does your social media footprint look like? I mean, as an evangelist, as an ambassador of Christ, what does your social media footprint look like? It's an opportunity. That's one of your big opportunities today. If you're on social media, if you're not, God bless you. You're sainted. But it's a, we make the opportunity thing so complex. When right before us, 
We have doors that are just open. Doors that are open. And we have to choose how we use the doors. We have to choose how we use the tools. We have to choose how we use the opportunities God's placed in front of us. We can fret and be frustrated, or we can live in faith. And we can be a voice of faith. And we can be a voice of light. Opportunities. Commitment to that diversity of gifts being operating in the church. And the point that Paul's making in 1 Corinthians 12 about these supernatural gifts is the diversity of the gifting, because we're all different, but unity in diversity. In other words, we don't have diversity because, well, this gift's doing that thing and this gift's doing that. We don't have room for that gift. Get that gift out. No, he's talking about the unity of the body. The only way the body works is when all the parts and pieces work together in harmony. And when the body works in harmony, the body functions and can do what the body is meant. So the hands can't do what the feet don't take them there to do. And the hands and the feet can't take and do what needs to be done unless the mind wills it to be done. And none of it takes place unless the eyes can actually observe and monitor and guide that it's done. It's a cooperative. And the same is true in the church. Some, and Paul actually says this in 1 Corinthians 12, there are some members of the body that are more visible, that he even uses the word glory. They get more, they get, they're out front, they, they're seen more. Like me as a pastor, I get seen out here a lot. But I can assure you, I don't do anywhere near most of the work of the church. There are giftings and diversities that you are exercising on a daily basis that are impactful and they're meaningful. And the way churches grow is when all of these parts and when all of these giftings, when the members of the body of Christ are engaged and functioning and doing the will of God. And I'm wanting to underscore this today. Two days after our, our biggest attendance service generally on, of, of the year, hopefully we'll pass that up later in the year, but huge service for us. It's easy now for us to rest back and say, okay, that was awesome. We'll wait till next Easter and see what they pull out of the hat then. No. It's an opportunity for us to embrace what God is wanting. What we saw Sunday is what God wants to do. What we saw Sunday is that it still works. What we saw Sunday is that a whole lot of people find value in New Life Austin. What does that mean? It means we have to push forward. We have to keep going. We have to keep striving to exercise our gifts. We have to keep striving to present excellence in ministry. We have to keep striving to be a loving and a redemptive community. We have to keep striving to be inclusive of people. They may not be like us. It's okay. Let them come on in. God can work on them. It's a challenge. It's not an end. It's not a destination. We didn't get there Sunday. We just got a taste. This is what God wants to do. And in spite of all the nonsense of the last two years, Sunday shows us that it can still happen. And God can still work. <clears throat> we won't have time for me to say all the things I want to say tonight. But the next point I wanted to underscore... Next point I want to underscore is our commitment to love people. A church that's going to grow is going to be a church that is committed... To love people. Now, I'll just tell you, sometimes people are hard to love. That's right. Church that's committed to loving people. And this impacts everything we do. Because sometimes love trumps policies. Sometimes love trumps procedures. 
There are times when people are not ready to take steps of faith that we know they need to take. We still love them. There are times when mature ones of us drop the ball. We have to love them. There are times when some of our faith community, not outsiders, some of us, there's times when some of us take steps backwards. We have to love them. It doesn't mean we endorse what they do, but it means we love them. We have to be determined that we are going to love people. You know, when, if, we, if we have a great re- harvest of souls, those souls are going to look like Austin. Right? That's what we want. Well, if the harvest of souls looks like Austin, what do you think they're going to look like? Well, weird. Right? And there's, this is universal among all people groups. And that is, most people, most people prefer things they're familiar with and they're comfortable with. And it would be easy for us to sort of repel the other when it comes in because we don't know what to do with it. When you get in those situations, and, and I've been there, I have been in the office with situations and I don't know what to do with it. When you don't know what to do, you love. You just love. Doesn't mean you compromise, doesn't mean you change what you believe, doesn't mean you stop doing what you're doing, it doesn't mean you don't say the things you need to say in truth. But you love. And when we don't know how to respond, and we don't know what to do, and when the, when the situation doesn't fit the template, and when it doesn't fit the protocol, you love. To be determined to be a church that loves people, beginning, of course, with loving one another. A church that loves. You know, I've said before, and I think it's true, we have a guest services ministry that you know, helps welcome and get people in the building, get cars parked and all that stuff. But in reality, we're all guest services. All of us are responsible for all of us. Someone walks in, they're late, they can't find a seat. We're all responsible to make sure that person gets a seat. I mean, unless you're sitting on an end seat, no one expects you to give up your end seat. I mean, (laughs) right? I mean, we're all responsible because love prefers the other. Have you ever been to HEB or Walmart? In those parking lots. And if you ever had that car, it it knows you're going to park in that spot. And that car beats you to that spot. Now, I just tell y'all, I'm not always spiritual. In fact, my wife's telling me all the time, you're going to get shot. (laughs) I mean, I figure a horn is on a car because you're supposed to honk it. (laughs) I should at least have a fast car, you know? You can't be that person at church. I mean, you can't be racing for that spot at church, right? 
And you pull the church, you know, you see sister coming, you're like... <laughs> Practical. A commitment. Commitment to love people. Next point. Try to get out of these, that way next week will be easier. Now, you thought we're done with the personal stuff. We're just getting personal now, okay? If a church is going to grow and be what God wants it to be, a church has to be committed to personal evangelism. And it just went quiet. This is probably the single greatest factor of sustained church growth. And it is the heart of Christianity. Being a witness, proclaiming the gospel, not running aisles on Sunday, not getting our praise on, whatever that means. None, the heart of the Christian message for us as believers is to share the gospel message with people that don't know it. Every believer, every believer must feel the responsibility and the privilege of being an ambassador for Christ. Now, this doesn't mean that we all function in the same way. It doesn't mean that we all are gifted in the same way. I mean, I know some people that are extremely gifted at soul winning and reaching people. How We all have different gifts. However, every Christian, I believe needs to be able to identify some way in which their hands are directly on the harvest. Not on the worship service alone, on the harvest. All of us need some identification with the process of harvesting souls for Jesus Christ. We need to be able to touch it. We need to be able to say, this is my role in evangelizing my community. This is my role in evangelizing my town. A few things that we can do. First of all, we can pray. Jesus had a prayer request. What was it? Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. If you don't want to be a harvester, pray that God sends somebody. But here's the trick. If you get a burden for the harvest and you start praying for the harvest, God's going to get a hold of you. And then God's going to use you. I think all of us need to make as a regular prayer request the harvest. There need to be people that you know their names or you can describe what they look like in prayer to God. And you're lifting those names to prayer to God. God, touch so-and-so. God, touch my son. Touch my daughter. God, touch my husband. God, save my neighbor. Call them by name. You don't know their name. God, touch my neighbor on that side. If you don't know their name, that person at the grocery store, there needs to be some names that you feel responsible for. People associated with this church that are not saved. Maybe they've come, they've gone. You know, friends of yours. Whoever, there need to be lists that you have that you call out to the Lord in prayer. God can send someone else to speak to them. Maybe you're not the Bible study teacher, but you can pray for them and God will send them something. Maybe you don't know how to have the conversation with them, but you can pray. God can lead them to a church service and then the word can touch them and God can speak to them. 
pray. Every one of us should have names, individuals that we call out in prayer before the Lord on a regular basis. Another benefit to that is it takes away some of our prayer time from us just focusing on ourselves. Pray. Teach a home Bible study. Teach a home Bible study. Have, have a Bible study at your house. Invite some sinners over. Don't invite church people. Invite some sinners over. Talk about the Bible. Get a Bible study chart. We have some in the bookstore. We'll order some more if they're gone. Get a Bible study going in your neighborhood. I think, I think that's the Chamberlains out there. They have a Bible study going on in their house. Teach somebody about Jesus. It's not complicated. Get something going. Maybe you can't teach one, host one. You get a Bible study, we'll send a teacher. Obviously, invite people to church. But having hands on the harvest. Now, obviously our music guys, they're real public, they're real visible, so if service goes horrible, we get to blame them. If it goes really good, like it usually does, we you know, get to brag on them. But let me talk to your music folks. Your ministry's not done when you stop singing. You're still intercessors. You need some names on your list. Some people you're praying for. Some people you're interceding for. You go places no one else in this church goes every week. You touch lives no one else in this church touches every week. Have hands in the harvest. And I really feel that's a next level opportunity for our church. Personal evangelism. Not just guests that kind of straggle in. Well, we heard about New Life. We read about it, passed by a freeway, Googled New Life, Googled Pentecost. Yeah, here. No, no, no. Your friends and relatives. You know who, you know, you know who the, uh, the greatest number of converts to any church are friends and relatives of people that go to that church. That's right. That's how churches grow. But beyond just having churches grow, wouldn't you love to see those people you know? filled with the Holy Ghost? Wouldn't you love to see the people you know in that water getting baptized in Jesus' name? I promise you that the second best day of your life after receiving the Holy Ghost yourself is watching someone you bring to church receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I'm out of time. I have, I have some other things I want to share. We'll save it for another week. I am excited about what the Lord's doing. We have, uh, of course, Church uh, Sunday, lots of other events. Stay uh, aware of the calendar. Good things are happening. Two weeks from now, our anniversary weekend. Go sign up for the picnic. We need a head count to make sure we have enough barbecue for everyone. If the cost is prohibitive, you let me know. We'll take care of that. Don't want it to be for anyone. And uh, pray. Pray for our construction. Uh, pray for all those things to go well, go smooth. If you haven't joined uh, Building the Vision, the, making a financial commitment, I encourage you to do so. Uh, maybe you don't feel like you have a lot. That's fine. If we all will do what we can, God will make up the difference. And uh, you will not regret investing in the kingdom of God. Amen. Why don't we stand? Why don't we give the Lord praise together? Could we do that? Lord, I thank you for your blessings on this church. I thank you for what you're doing in this house. I thank you for a great day that we had on Sunday. But God, I pray that you would continue this work. Let us be inspired and motivated by what you're doing. Let us be encouraged and strengthened. Let us not look at the victories as sort of high watermarks and that we've accomplished, but let them inspire our faith to know that you are still working, that you are still moving, 
and that you are not through with us. You're not through with any individual in this room. You're not through with our church. I pray that we would step out in faith and that we would see what you can do through us. We give you all the praise.